welcome back to the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. And on today's pod, I will give you my quick thoughts on the MLB lockout finally ending. And then we're ranking the teams in the NL West from top to bottom. So it's going to be a jam-packed pod as always. So let's jump right into it. You are locked on Diamondbacks. Your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Miller Thomas of Locked On Diamondbacks still here. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at creatorthomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked On Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, thank you for making Locked On Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you. You, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. But as I mentioned on the opener, I first want to start off the pod by giving my quick thoughts to the MLB lockout ending before we rank the teams in the NL West because, man, oh man, has it been a long time coming. If you are a baseball fan, and I don't know how you could listen to a you know a podcast dedicated to talking about diamond <laughs> diamondbacks baseball every day i don't know how you can not be a baseball fan uh you know when you listen to this podcast but man it's been way too long if you're a baseball fan as you should be because hey, i don't know if you guys realize this it's been 99 days that's how long this lockout has been 99 days which is 99 days way too long and the players, they were definitely feisty during this MLB Players Association. But the thing that we have to remember is all this lockout stuff ultimately falls on the shoulders of the owners because there's a difference between a lockout and a strike. A strike is player generated, but a lockout is owner generated. And the only reason we've gone 99 days without being able to turn on MLB Network and watch highlights or go on MLB.com and read some news articles is because of the owners. They're the ones that started this lockout. They're the ones that made us wait all this time and all the back and forth, yada, yada. It's all, be not all of it. You know, there was pushback by the Players Association to get what they want. But the reason we are not already watching baseball, the reason we're not at spring training games already is because of the owners. They could have still played baseball under the old CBA as they worked toward a new deal, but that did not happen. Instead, baseball, they thought it would be better for their sport. They just implemented fake deadlines. Hey, don't sign the lockout by today we're gonna cancel the first two series of the baseball season hey that's what rob manfred said and he said the first two series of the mlb season are going to be canceled well guess what now that they signed this lockout thing they're also saying actually we don't have to cancel any games we're just gonna do double headers or play these games on their day offs like of course you are we could have done this from the beginning there was never a need to put fake pressure on the players and i guess the fans too by saying we're setting up a deadline. If you don't sign by this day, we're canceling games. Like, that was never true. That was never going to happen. One is because of the TV money. You think these MLB teams and owners are just going to say, yeah, we're okay with losing money at the door. But these networks, yeah, we're okay pissing them off and making them lose their money as well. So just from the RSNs and the TV network side, baseball wasn't going to be canceling games this season. And then the second reason is, 
Jackie Robinson Day this year will be the 75th anniversary. There's no way you can... I, I almost cursed. There's no way you can F up Jackie Robinson Day. I probably should have dropped an F-bomb for my guy Jackie, but there, there's no way baseball can F that up. Jackie Robinson Day is like the biggest holiday in baseball. It's one of the biggest holidays in all of sports. Jackie Robinson was so influential to every facet of sports you know, through integration of black and uh, I guess black players <laughs> into the sport of baseball. So Jackie Robinson was huge for that, huge for the culture. Love Jackie Robinson, of course, as everyone should. Jersey number retired. So there's no way baseball was going to miss Jackie Robinson Day. It just means too much. And now when you think of baseball in terms of the national landscape of attention, in terms of the word of mouth about baseball, the popularity about baseball, are they are they anywhere near basketball or football right now? They're not, not in terms of popularity. And maybe those exclusive deals with Apple Plus, you know, Apple TV Plus, whatever it's called, maybe Amazon Prime gets in on the action. Maybe those help out. Maybe those, you know, exclusive deals end up helping out baseball because there won't be any more lockouts. But at the same time, we got to pay more for special packages and services that we might already not have. So I don't know the direction baseball is going in in terms of popularity. I feel like... Over these next few years, 10, 15 years, baseball could go further and further into the background, maybe behind hockey, the way it's on the come up with ESPN buying its rights. And I see them on TNT now. Uh, Soccer is super popular as well. So baseball better be careful. They've been their worst enemy for years now. And if they're not careful, they're going to continue to lose out on viewership and an audience because their audience is old. And getting older, it's not getting any younger. So don't piss off your younger audience by continuing to do this kind of crap, by doing lockouts and and, and pissing off fans. Like, if you don't want people to watch your sport, the best way to do that is to not have one. And that's what baseball tried to do this season. Thankfully, they came to an agreement today, but it was dangerously close for this, for at least the beginning of the season to be in jeopardy. But I'm glad to see baseball is returning in 2022 with a full 102 162 game season now let's get into these rankings we might as well start with my number five team of who are the best teams in the nl west and checking in at number five we got the colorado rockies i believe they have the worst rotation the worst bullpen the second worst lineup the best defense but the worst manager the rotation, I think, has some interesting names in it when you look at Herman Marquez, Antonio Cincinnati, but they just don't have that number one starter. They don't have a Cy Young candidate, so it's a big reason why I don't think their rotation is as good as the D-backs, because at least the D-backs have Zach Gallant in a rotation of only five people. You need to have that stud, and the D-backs have that. The Rockies do not. And also, their starters pitch better at home, which is kind of concerning. Uh, I don't know if that's really a good thing, so... I don't like their rotation. I think it's the worst in the division. The bullpen, I think, is bad too because it was the first, it was the fourth worst bullpen ERA last season, last season in the National League. Fewest strikeouts as well. And when you look at their closer situation, like Daniel Bard, I love the story. I, I thought he was great when he first broke into baseball, but the dude is kind of done. Like he can still throw super hard, still got a 95 plus mile an hour heater, but that's about all he can do. And he gets crushed pretty hard too, especially at Coors Field. So that bullpen is just kind of old for my liking. I don't think the lineup is terrible. I don't think it's, I, I don't think the lineup is great, especially if Trevor Story leaves, but Brendan Rodgers, Ryan McMahon, CJ Cron, Elias Diaz, that's not a terrible top four at all if Trevor Story leaves. So I actually do like the lineup, but it always makes me a little concerned 
when you see these great offensive stats like a CJ Cron, who had a phenomenal season last year, it makes you wonder how much does course field play into that? It's really hard to tell, but uh, considering their players play well at home, I think their lineup isn't that bad. The offense is always going to be boosted playing in course field. So you, you can't hate on them too much, but the hard contact numbers do suggest that they don't generate a lot of power. So maybe their top four isn't as good as I might think, but they put up numbers. Their stats tell me that they're good. So Rodgers, McMahon, Kron, Diaz, you could definitely do worse than top four than that, especially if Trevor Story comes back. The defense is definitely the bread and butter of this team. They had multiple dudes with at least one defensive war. So with Ryan McMahon, I think almost had a three defensive war. He was like 2.7. So the defense is really good, especially in a ballpark that scores a lot of runs. You need to have good defensive players. The Rockies have been able to do that. But one of the biggest hamstrings, I think, to this team is their manager, Bud Black. He's been a manager, not at the Colorado Rockies, but he's been a manager in baseball for 14 years. He's made one postseason, I think, with the Rockies, but he's only made two postseasons in his entire coaching, managing career. That's not good enough for someone who's been in the sport for over a decade. It's got a below 500 record now, over 14 years. So I just don't think Bud Black is that good. I don't think he's really done anything special in his career. He's never been on a 95-win team. He's never gone deep into the playoffs. So uh, when I look up and down this Rockies team, I think their defense is really good. I think their lineup is interesting. I think it can score some runs. But overall, I think this Rockies team is going to be the worst in the division entering next season. I don't think Trevor Story is coming back. Uh, the front office is a mess. I hate the rotation. I hate the bullpen. I hate the pitching as a whole. So right now, I think the Colorado Rockies are the fifth best team in the NOS entering 2022. But if you want to know the fourth and third best team in the NL West entering next season, you're going to have to wait because I first have to tell you guys about Bet Online. It's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thanks for making Locked On Dimebacks your first listen every day. Locked On MLB Prospects host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the podcast, and let's... Do some more NL West rankings. And the number four team on my list entering next season, these are, I guess, my projections of how I think the division is going to play out. So entering next season, 2022, I believe the D-backs are going to be the fourth best team, fourth worst team, however you want to chalk it up. They will finish fourth in the, in the division in 2022 because they have, in my humble opinion, the second worst rotation, the second worst bullpen, the worst lineup, the worst defense, and the second worst manager. The rotation, I think, is ahead of the Rockies because, like I said before, you got Zach Allen, so at least you got a stud. Bumgarner, he's got pedigree at least, definitely overpaid, definitely over the hill, but at least he's got pedigree. Luke Weaver, I guess, is that guy that still has potential and has a ceiling, but is he ever going to live up to it? We'll see. 
And then you never know as the number five starter in this D-back squad. Maybe it's Corbin Martin. Maybe it's Tyler Gilbert, the man who threw a no-hitter last season. Maybe it's Taylor Widener, the man who started out the season as the number five starter. It looked pretty good at the beginning. So I think there's some potential maybe with this D-back rotation just because they're going to be throwing out the young arm occasionally, Luke Weaver, Martin, Gilbert, Widener. They're going to be throwing out guys 28 and younger. So maybe this rotation has more ceiling than I think, but I'm just not a very strong believer in this D-backs rotation. So I think they have the second worst rotation in the NL West right now. I look at the bullpen. I think Mark Melanson for sure puts the bullpen above the Rockies. Now, the bullpen isn't good at all. They had the worst bullpen ERA last season. So they need a lot of things to work out for the for them next season. But like the rotation, at least the D-backs bullpen has a lot of youth. Uh, if the guys don't make it as a number five starter like Corbin Martin, maybe it could be a back-end reliever. You got J.B. Berskakis. You got Castellanos. You got guys from last year they picked up midseason that became good like Mantipoli and Noah Ramirez. So I think the bullpen will be better next season. I mean, it was literally the worst last year, so it can't get any lower than that. So I think the D-backs bullpen will be better next season. I still don't think it's great or anything like that. The top five is going to be Melanson, Smith, Mantipoli, Ramirez, and Cassianos probably. So it's definitely not a bullpen that's shutting you down or scaring you. But I think it should be incrementally better heading into 2022, but still the second worst bullpen in the NL West. When I look at the lineup, I have them behind the Rockies because after Ketel Marte, I might like the next four in the Rockies better. Like, Dalton Varsho, he needs to continue that second half breakout season. Carson Kelly needs to kind of get back to those 2019 levels. Uh, maybe Rojas continues his development. Maybe David Peralta turns back the clock. But if that's your top four or five in your lineup, uh, it's just not great. I think I would rather have, if you're telling me there's no Ketel Marte, no Trevor Story, I think I would rather have Rodgers, McMahon, Cron, and Diaz than Varsho, Kelly, Rojas, and Peralta. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but I just don't feel very confident in this D-backs lineup right now. I just don't think it's super strong on paper. The hard contact numbers last season were terrible. They struck out a lot as well. They weren't hitting home runs. So there was nothing from this offense last season that gives me any hope for next season. Unless you're telling me I'm getting a 162 game Ketel Marte. I'm getting 2019 Carson Kelly. I'm getting second half Dalton Varsho. Getting continued development from Josh Rojas. If things like that happen, if Paven Smith takes the leap or someone else has a breakout season, things like that happen, then yeah, this lineup could be better. But practically speaking, I think it's probably the worst lineup in the division. And then you look at the defense. Their defense was also the worst in the division last season, led the NL in errors, 11th in double plays, second worst fielding percentage, up and down the D-backs defense wasn't good. It's usually the calling card of the D-backs if you go back and look at the previous five to 10 years. Defense was always the name of the game for the D-backs, but did not happen last season. They were, they seemingly seemed uninterested in playing defense at all, especially the second half of the season when they were really out of it, when they were really struggling, they seemed to play worse and worse defense. So I, it's hard for me to believe that could get better, especially when you have holes in the outfield and third base. So we'll see with the defense part. And I believe they have the second worst manager in the NL West as well. I can't put Tori Lovello above Roberts or Gabe Kapler. If you want to argue Tingler, sure, just because Tori Lovello has an NL Manager of the Year award. But Tingler, I think, has done a fine job, even though the Padres had a second-half collapse. I think he's done a fine job for the Padres. So right now, Tori Lovello, I don't like the way he's managed the last couple of years. Um, 
I just haven't been a fan. I think the leash has been kind of short on pitchers. I think he's made some questionable bench decisions as well. So right now, I think Tori Lovello is the fourth worst manager in the division or the second worst. I, I don't know. He's the fourth best manager, I think is the best way to say it. So right now, the D-backs are the fourth best team in the NL West. But who is the third best team in the NL West? I think it's going to be the San Francisco Giants. Third best rotation, best bullpen, third best lineup, third best defense, second best manager. When you look at the rotation for the Giants, they're going to have a stud like a Zach Allen in Logan Webb. And then Dal Scafani, Alex Wood, Alex Cobb. I'm not scared of those guys, but those are definitely two through four better than the D-backs two through four. You'll just get more consistency and a higher floor from those three pitchers. Look at the bullpen. The Giants' bullpen was nasty last season. Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, Jarlin Garcia, uh, Jose Alvarez. All They had five dudes who are returning next season with a sub-three ERA. They had the best bullpen ERA last season, best whip, tied for the most saves. I think the Giants' bullpen will be stacked once again next season. When you look at their lineup, that's where I really have a lot of questions because another year of age for the Crawfords and the Brand Belts and the Evan Longorias. And then when you look at who they lost, Buster Posey is gone. Um, you might have Chris Bryant gone too. We'll see after this lockout. So uh, even though they were second in run scored and first in OPS, I think they're going to be losing a lot of juice entering next season. And they kind of had a few breakout seasons from really old players like career years from the belts and the Crawfords like those guys are in their mid 30s and having breakout seasons is hard for me to think that they can repeat that so I think their lineup is going to regress a little bit entering next season as for their defense as well I think will regress a little bit because they're losing someone like Buster Posey who's an all-time defensive catcher so I think their defense will regress a little bit next season as well but I think it should still be good overall I think I just think the Padres and Dodgers will probably play better defense than the Giants. And when I look at the manager for the Giants, Gabe Kapler, absolutely love the guy. I think he is a good culture creator. I think he gets more crap than he deserves for what he did in Philly because those were near 500 teams the two years he managed them. And those rosters were just not very talented. So I actually think he did a better job there than people give him credit for. And you look at what he's done with the Giants. They have blown expectations out the water. They've gained everyone's respect. So I think Gabe Kapler is a pretty damn good manager. And I would have him number two right now behind Dave Roberts in my manager rankings at least. But who comes in as the first and second best teams in the NOS? Well, either has to be the Dodgers or Padres. But who is number one? Well, I'm going to tell you, but first I need to tell you about Built Bar because this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, and it's really easy with Built Bar because they are absolutely delicious. Have you tried the puffs? They're marshmallowy, they're fluffy, they're delicious as well. And like all Built Bars, they're covered in 100% chocolate, soft and easy to chew. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Great for that keto diet. Just go to built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast and let's unveil our top two teams in the NL West entering 2022. And number two, I don't think it's a surprise. I think you guys probably know who number one is because number two is going to be the San Diego Padres. 
I think they have the second best rotation, third best bullpen, second best lineup, second best defense, and third best manager. When I look at their rotation, it definitely disappointed last season. If I told you Blake Snell at a higher ERA than you, Darvish, would you believe me? Because I found that absolutely fascinating. But after this sticky stuff crackdown, I still think they have a ton of talent in that rotation. Darvish, Snell, Musgrove, maybe Lament, maybe Chris Paddock, Mike Clevenger might be coming back. They just have a ton of options. And I think too much talent for them to be as bad as they were in the second half, especially last season. So I think that rotation is primed for a bounce back. Even if, you know, one or two, even if a Darvish or a Blake Snell, if one of those two bounce back with the Musgrove and a healthy Clevenger or Lament, that rotation is going to be very good. So I like the Padres rotation a lot. I think it has a lot of upside and a lot of, I think it has a pretty high ceiling, even though it disappointed last season for sure. Look at their bullpen. Definitely going to take a hit because Mark Melanson, Mark the Shark, is now an Arizona Diamondback. Daniel Hudson, he's gone as well. I think he's an L.A. Dodger now. So their bullpen is definitely going to take a step back. Third best ERA in the National League last season from their bullpen. But it should still overall be pretty good. Stammen, Chris Mott, Pagan, Tim Hill. I don't think it'll be terrible. Uh, maybe they move one of those starters because I think their rotation is going to be overloaded. So they might move one of those starters to the bullpen as well. So the Padres bullpen, it's going to be good next season. I don't think it's going to be great. I think that's where you'll see the biggest regression in the Padres. I think there will be a positive regression in the rotation by negative regression in the bullpen. And when you look at that Padres lineup, I mean, they, they got studs in that lineup, man. Fernando Tatis Jr., arguably the best player in baseball. Manny Machado, definitely an MVP candidate. Jake Cronenworth, breakout season last year. Grisham's good. Uh, I mean, Will Myers is not terrible. I'm not a big Will Myers guy. Eric Hosmer, he's all right. So I think this lineup is pretty good. I think they're pretty deep as well with talent. You at least got three to, you know, three all-stars, two MVP guys. Cronenworth, I'm considering as that third all-star. Maybe Grisham could be all-star level, potentially, maybe next season. Maybe Kim has a breakout season. We'll see. But the hard contact numbers, absolutely love the Padres. They destroy balls, especially Fernando Tatis Jr. I like this lineup a lot. I don't like it as much as the number one team, but I definitely like it more than the D-backs or the Giants or the Rockies. So, when you have a player like Fernando Tatis Jr. and Manny Machado, it's going to be hard for your lineup to suck. So I think the Padres have the second best lineup right now in the NL West. When I look at their defense, the numbers might tell you that they should be third or fourth entering next season. But I look at their defense, I think they got kind of unlucky. I think Fernando Tatis is a better defense player than what we've seen last season. The Padres defense was good in double plays. They didn't commit a ton of errors outside of Tatis. They were good in fielding percentage. I think this defense is going to have a bounce back year next, se next season. I think you'll see positive regression in the defense for the Padres because Cronenworth, Machado, Kim and Grissom, I think all had a, at least a .8 defensive war, which is really good. So I think I can see this defense taking a step forward next season. And their manager, I'm going to have him third right now in the in the West. I can't put him ahead of Kapler or Roberts. I could put him ahead of Lovello, even though he had that second half collapse. I'm just really biased right now against Lovello. I think seeing him every day makes me biased against him. So Tingler, he had a great First season, that 2020 shortened season, the Padres looked phenomenal. Last season, they were really good in the first half, and the pitching kind of blew up in the second half, so I'm not putting that all on Tingler. I don't like his little comment with the unwritten rules, you know, pertaining to that Fernando Tatis Jr. grand slam, but I think Tingler's still a pretty good manager overall, so I got him third right now in the NL West, but... 
That leaves one more team for the number one spot in the NL West rankings, and that is the LA Dodgers, who I believe have the best rotation, second best bullpen, best lineup, fourth best defense, and best manager. When we look at their rotation, excuse me, I think I have something on my lip. You got Walker Bueller, Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, maybe Tony Gonsolin, maybe David Price, like Dustin Mays should be coming back from injury. Like Clayton Kershaw could be gone in free agency, but if you just have Bueller and Urias, that one-two combo is probably better than any other combo. You know, that that one-two combo is probably a better one-two combination than any other rotation in the NL West. Probably beats out Musgrove and whoever the Padres number two is. Webb and Dal Scafani, Gallon and Bumgarner. Like, that's definitely the best one-two. And then Gonsolin as maybe your number three, maybe Destin May. We'll see. They'll probably add another starter. I think they picked up Andrew Heaney. Uh, that that one's not making... That, that, that move is not moving me in any way. So, Dodgers still have the best rotation entering next season, even if Clayton Kershaw walks, which is an insane statement to say out loud. Look at the bullpen. They could lose Canley Jensen to free agency, and I think they could still have the second-best bullpen in the NL West. They could lose Joe Kelly as well, but they signed Daniel Hudson, Blake Trinian, Phil Bickford, Mitch White, Victor Gonzalez. They're still going to have a pretty nasty bullpen, second bullpen ERA last season. Gonsolin and Dustin May could be relievers as well, so the structure of their pen could change, but it's still going to be nasty, no doubt, and still going to be one of the two best bullpens in the NL West probably next season. If you look at their lineup, I mean, Jesus, the Dodgers are loaded with talent. Trey Turner, Mookie Betts, Bellinger, Will Smith, Chris Taylor, who else? Muncy, is he still there? Justin Turner. I don't even think we have to talk about the Dodgers lineup too much. It is absolutely stacked. All the numbers, all the stats, hard contact, advanced stats, expected stats, it doesn't matter. Everything likes the Dodgers. Definitely the number one lineup easily, probably in all of baseball. You look at the defense for the Dodgers. I think that was kind of their weak point last season. They were, uh, you know, UZR in the defense that both 13th in those, 8th and plus minus run saved above average. So a lot of the advanced stats didn't like the Dodgers last season. Their highest graded player in terms of defensive war was Corey Seager at .5, who is now a Texas Ranger. But still, Mookie Betts, Pollock Turner, they have plus defenders on their team, so I can see positive regression coming for the Dodgers defense and the manager. Dave Roberts, say what you want about how he manages in-game during the playoffs. Like The dude wants to put trust in arguably the greatest pitcher we've ever seen. It's not our fault. Kershaw repeatedly comes up small. So I think David Roberts, I think I think I call him David. I think Dave Roberts is a good guy. 542 and 330 is his career record. 542 wins, 330 losses. All he does is win. And because of that, I think I have to put Dave Roberts number one. If the man doesn't lose and he gets multiple World Series and he wins one of them and the other two are against cheaters, I think he deserves to be the best manager in the NL West. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast baseball season is finally returning it's finally upon us so i think that means pretty soon i'm going to have to go back to five days a week i love doing podcasts but three days a week is definitely more enjoyable than doing five days a week come back next week for more dimebacks news coverage and insight as always stay safe stay healthy thank you for making lockdown dime thank you for making lockdown dimebacks your first listen every day i would not be able to do to do my nose is clogged and i'm struggling to talk about Blah, blah, blah. My nose is clogged and I'm struggling to talk because of it. I can't even form sentences right now. I can't even speak correctly because 
my allergies are acting up, so I apologize for the second half of this pod if I sound nasally or anything along those lines. But shout out to you guys, my loyal listeners, my first listen of the dayers. I guess that's the best way to say it or phrase it. But whoever you are, if you listen to the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast, thank you. I appreciate you. And please come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Deuces!